to uh, Romans chapter 2, and uh, we're going to stand and read uh, the entire passage that we're going to look to, and then come back and do our best to comment on it quickly and have you out in good time, sometime before 10 o'clock. <laughs> Romans chapter 2, verse number 1 through 16, as we stand and give reference to the reading of God's Word, we'll read and pray, and then you can be seated. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest dost the same thing. But uh, we, is this mic on? Yeah, okay. But uh, we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth, against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this old man? That's not an old man, it's just an old man. In other words, you're just a big zero when you judge others. Uh, that judges them, that do such things, and does the same, that thou escape the judgment of God. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after the hardness and impenitent heart treasure up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of righteousness, judgment or righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds? That is God that will do that, by the way. To them who by patience continue, continuance in well-doing for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. And unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentiles, or you heathen. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, and also to the Gentiles. For there is no respecter of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which shew, that is show, the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Father, bless the reading of your scripture, the study of your word. We do say a prayer for Seth and for the work and ministry that you'll open up the building for them. 
give them a place to meet and help them to see their ministry grow, the church grow. For we know that in that area is so needed for a church, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As you can see here, we have several things that we want to point out. First of all, in verses 1 through 3, we have God's judgment on those that judge others by their self-righteousness. We notice there are at least three things here that we want to bring out. First of all, God uh, brings an indictment on those that would judge others by their self-righteousness. The indictment is that he deems them as hypocrites. They are judging others on the merits of uh, their righteousness. And uh, according to what we understand by the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, Paul said, dare any of we, you know, to, to judge ourselves by each other paraphrased by yours truly and then he goes on to say by measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise and of course we understand the antonym for someone that's not wise would be someone that's very foolish and so you're a fool when uh, you have that kind of attitude that you are better than others because you live a better life than others Notice uh, he also brings out that God's judgment is based on truth because God knows our hearts and God judges our hearts based on the righteousness of his word. Notice he says that we are sure that the judgments of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. We understand the truth of God's word, and the truth of God's word is all through the Bible. We find it in the Old Testament. We find it over in Psalms 14 and Psalms 50. We find it also here that uh, as it is written, the truth of God's word makes it very clear that uh, every one of us are guilty. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. We've all gone out of our way. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And so the Bible makes it very clear that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so God is angry at those who congratulate themselves. They congratulate themselves for their piety, for their righteousness, uh, for their goodness, Uh, for their self-made integrity as they compare themselves among other people. And uh, they are comparing themselves to those that we read about over there in uh, Romans chapter 1. Remember in Romans chapter 1 that there are those that were filled with all unrighteousness. They were fornicators. They were men of wickedness, covetousness. They were people of maliciousness people that were full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity. These were whisperers and backbiters and haters of God. Despiteful, they were proud, they were boasters. These are inventors of evil uh, things, 
uh, affectionate, implacable, unmerciful. These were people who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they had pleasure in them to do them. Pardon me, but was that you at one time? Didn't you go down that road at one time? Was there a time in your life where you took God's name in vain? Was there a time in your life where you were backbiting and whispering about other people? Was there a time in your life to where you were filled with immorality and adultery and maybe you didn't act it out physically, but you acted out in your heart and your mind? You know, and then uh, and you had pleasure doing things that you knew that was against God. And that God one day would judge you, but yet you did it anyway and had pleasure doing it. And now you walk about and you thumb your nose at those that are living in that lifestyle. And you think those are despicable people. I'm sure glad I'm not like them. And you forget that that's where you were once. And by the grace of God, if you were never there, it was by his grace you didn't go that far. Sometimes we forget that. And when when people are so puffed up with pride to where they thumb their nose at other people, well, that is despicable in the sight of God. And God is very angry about it. Uh, we're reminded what we read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse number 11, where We find in verse number 10, he gives a whole list of all these different fornicators and immoral people and sodomites and abusers of themselves. And he says, and such were some of you, (laughs) but we've been washed. You know, we, we need to keep that sanctified hall of shame in the back of our minds so we don't forget the pit that the Lord Jesus Christ had to lift us up out of. And sometimes we forget that. I remember there at Calvary Baptist Church, my wife and I was out soul winning one day, and we ran across a group of people that were living in a travel trailer, and we led them to the Lord, and we invited them to church, and they said, well, we don't, you know, we don't have a place to shower. We're living out here in this field, and, and uh, we don't have a place to shower, and we don't have very clean clothes, and I said, well, if you want a place to shower, we got this big old huge gymnasium down there. You're welcome to come down there and shower in our gymnasium. And I said, uh, as far as your clothes, I said, you know, whatever you can find to put on, hey, you're, you know, just come. We want you there. You're, it's important that you come. And so the first Sunday they came, there was about six of them. We, we led the, the father and his daughters to the Lord, and there was others gathered around that were homeless that were staying in these little campers, and they all stood there, and they all prayed the sinner's prayer too. Uh, So that Sunday, 12 of them showed up. And in the Sunday morning service, they all, all of them trusted Christ, and they were all baptized that Sunday morning. Old Skippy Horny baptized every one of them. Boy, he was rejoicing. Some of the people were rejoicing. And for the next two or three Sundays, they would come. They One girl, the, the guy, father's daughter, joined the choir. And and so he got found him an old suit, and he started dressing up with a suit. But they still hadn't kicked some habits like smoking. 
and there was about five or six of them out there uh, on the one end of the parking lot, and they were smoking. And so one of our ladies came in. Her husband was a trustee, and she said, you need to tell your people that if they're going to smoke their cigarettes, they need to smoke it somewhere away from the parking lot, but not on our church parking lot. But those were my people. Problem was, she smoked too, but, you know, she was she was not so despicable to smoke, you know, over on the other side of the parking lot. She always smoked after church in her car on her way home. <clears throat> but, you know, there's the hypocrisy for you. And, uh, you know, eventually those people realized they weren't welcome there. They could tell. We had some snobby people there. You know, we had, we had a few people that were multi- uh, fairly rich, worth a few million dollars, and uh, you know, and it's sad to see uh, that kind of attitude, where you don't want to reach the down and outers. It's okay, you know, to bring in the bus kids, but keep them in the children's program, keep them upstairs, put them somewhere else, uh, you know. But uh, we just don't want. Uh, these kind of people that, you know, haven't bathed in a while, people that come off the streets, you know, they, they just don't make the place look that well. They're your people, Pastor. Well, you know, the Lord, he come to seek and save sinners. And I imagine there were, some of those people were probably pretty dirty, too. You know, you can't be much more dirtier than an old leopard, and yet the Lord cared for them as well. You know, and I just wonder... You know, you think about these churches out there that reach out to those down and outers. You know, they're growing. They're, some of them are mega status. You know, and it's a tough ministry. It's a hard ministry. But I thank the Lord that they have those ministries because they're out there and they care about people. And I think of U-Turn and I think of Set Free and some of these ministries. They have 30, 40 guys, and these, some of these guys look like they came straight out of, out of prison, and then they took them off the streets and brought them in there and tried to clean them up, and they dress them up the best they can on Sunday and take them to one of those churches. And we're talking mega churches that have two or 3,000 people, and they set them sometimes on the front row or whatever, and the people are glad to have them, and God's blessing that ministry. We get to that place to where we're snoopy and we think we're better than those people. We look down on someone that doesn't smell as good as we do, doesn't live like we do, then you can mark it down. We'll never get to that status. And God is concerned about reaching people. Now, I, I want to always have a small church mentality as far as familiness and friendliness, but I want us to grow. I want us to reach people. I want us to see souls saved. I'd like to see this church grow to the place to where we could say, well, let's, let's have a satellite church over here and one over there and, and have all various ministries throughout the valley that uh, preach the same message we preach, have the same vision we have. I'm not concerned about mega status. I'm just concerned about reaching people at a mega level. So, and I, I've heard people say, oh, I don't want our church to grow. I want it to stay small because I like that family atmosphere. <sighs> it angers me when people talk like that. Because you, you don't want souls to get saved. You want people uh, 
here so they can fellowship and be friends with you, but you don't want it so big to where you lose that fellowship and friendship, and so the rest of the world can go to hell. And that's the attitude that so many people have. And a church will never grow until we get the attitude to where it's so more than what we want. Amen. We get to that place to where we're so filled with righteousness and goodness and morality and, and our integrity is so much better than everyone else that we start looking down on people and then it angers God. God makes it very clear. Notice again in verse number three, thinkest thou of this old man that judgeth them which do such things and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? And, you know, this is a fair warning. And then we see in verses four through five, that's good preaching, Pastor. Preach it. Amen. I'm not hearing too many amens out there. Notice in verse number four. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and the forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You know, that same goodness, don't we want to see that on everyone? Don't we want to acknowledge the fact that what God has done for us, God can do for them? But we get to that point to where we think we're better than they are, well, then that's not going to happen. Notice there's three things that he points out here in this, those in verses 4 and 5. He points out that self-righteousness presumes upon oneself that my integrity brought me this goodness. My self-righteousness brought me this goodness. The way I live my good life for the Lord, that it brought the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering of God in my life. It presumes, as Paul points out, uh, that our own self-goodness and righteousness is something that did not cause uh, us to come to repentance through God, but we came to repentance through the goodness of our heart. And notice this, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Thinking, well, hey, I, I was able to pull myself up by my shoestrings or my bootstrings. I lifted myself up out of that miry clay. I said, I'm not going to live there anymore. I'm going to live for God. And by my strength and by my fortitude, I was able to stand for the Lord. And today I still stand for God. And you people that are living like the devil out there, they're living in sin. They just don't have the tenacity to get up out of that muck and mire and stand for God like I did. Does that sound familiar? There are people like that, don't there? We want to be careful we never go there. By the grace of God, it was God and his mercy and God and his love that brought me to repentance. He lifted me up out of the miry clay and He put me on a solid rock. And I pray that God will do the same for those dear people out there that are living in sin. My heart goes out to those people that are living with the guilt of their fornication, their immorality, their adultery. It breaks my heart to think that they can no longer live in that guilt. Many of them are taking their lives. 
If I could just somehow break through that callous heart and they could see the goodness of God and how much he truly loves them. That's what God wants to see in our heart. God wants to see that. When God sees that in, in, in our church, and then all of a sudden we're going to bust out at the seams. And then he'll provide the building. You know, what God enables, God provides. Paul points out that this self-righteousness hardens the heart from repentance toward God. Notice he says, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation and the righteous judgment of God. Oh, we need to be careful that our heart does not get to that place to where we bring God's judgment upon us. And then as we move along, uh, we notice in verses 6 through 10, God's judgment will is based on uh, the works that he does through us and the grace that he gives us and not within our self-righteousness. Notice he says, and this is interesting. Uh, let me read this to you again. He says in verse number 7, who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patience continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. In other words, God will render to those who want to make the right choices, who seek glory, who seek honor, who seek immortality, who seek eternal life. And we can't find it in ourselves. So where do we find it? We find it through the truth of the gospel. We find eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. We find glory through him. You know, the, Jesus made it very clear, knock and it shall be open unto you. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. If you're self-righteous, you don't seek, you don't ask, you don't knock because it's all of you. I'm going to do this. I don't need to ask. I don't need to seek. I don't need to knock. I know where it all comes from. I know where my righteousness, my glory, my eternal life comes from. It all comes from me and by my self-efforts. Well, he says to those people who are self-righteous in their choice, he says, Concerning those people who obey unrighteousness, they're going to find indignation. They're going to find wrath. They're going to find tribulation. They're going to find anguish upon every soul of men that doeth evil, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. We don't have it within ourselves. And by the way, it's interesting, the self-righteous live in sin, but they don't see their sin. The self-righteous don't see their arrogance. They don't see their pride. They don't see the wickedness of their heart, but they see everyone else's. Uh, and Jesus, he, he brought out a great analogy. You know, here's a guy that's got a telephone pole stuck in his eye, and he's judging you for having a splinter in your eye. 
Yeah, let me help you get that splinter out of your eye. <laughs> Got this big old beam sticking in his eye. And then as we conclude, verse number 11 through 16, God's judgment upon both Jew and Gentiles is without respect to a person's without any partiality. Notice, God will judge every man fairly. He will judge every man according to his justice. So what is meant by this? Well, it is meant that God is no respecter of persons. And God knows the heart of every man, and God is going to judge every man according to what's in his heart. And that's why it's important that we lift our hearts up to the Lord. It's one thing that uh, <clears throat> every one of us were born with, and that was pride. It's sin. It all comes from the Adamic nature. And we have to recognize it. And God judged every man according to the law of his righteousness. Notice in verse number 12 through 14, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. As many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. He said, well, that sounds like a contradiction. Because the Bible says, by grace are we saved. Faith in that not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. And here we find the righteous are saved by the works of what they do. God is talking about what is in your heart and how you respond to what God has put within your heart. You know, it's very interesting. We read in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 24 through verse number 26, that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But he says, after that faith has come, we are no longer under schoolmaster, for you are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? That means before the law came, or pardon me, before God revealed his grace unto us, there was a law that God had given. And there are people out there today that still haven't received the word of God. But God has given them that law. And some have the law written on the pages called the Bible, and some have the law that's written in their hearts. If you don't believe that, then why did you feel guilty about the things that you did before you were saved? Why does a heathen feel guilty about the things that they do when they've never heard about the gospel, they've never seen a Bible, they've never read a Bible, but somehow in their culture they understand that there are certain things that you do not do. And they come up with some form of deity that they want to worship and they want to seek for forgiveness and they want some something there to adjudicate or something to justify and to cleanse and to forgive them of their sins. And so they're willing to offer up sacrifices even at the point of offering up their own children 
for the redemption of their sins because of the guilt that they feel for what they have done. Many times tribes will take a child, they'll offer up that child for the sins of that entire tribe. Why would they do that? If there's not something in their heart telling them that they're evil and what they're doing is wrong. And God makes it very clear that when everyone stands before God, we're all going to be judged according to what God has given to us. He said, what about the heathen in the remote parts of the world that have never heard the gospel? They've never had a Bible. They've never seen a Bible. Well, what about them? Well, God's going to judge everyone fairly and righteously. And those that never had the Bible, never read the Bible, never heard the gospel, they'll be judged by what God put in their heart. And their hearts will either condemn them or their hearts will justify them. But the Bible talks about what he put in their hearts as a consciousness of right and wrong. You see that there is that idea out there that man is totally depraved until the Holy Spirit takes residence in his life. There is no such thing. You can't find anywhere in the Bible where the Bible teach in total depravity. Here the Bible makes it very clear that man is not totally depraved. That man does have a consciousness of right and wrong. And every one of us are one day, if without the word or with the word, are going to be judged by what we knew to do in our hearts. And in time, our hearts can be deceptive, they can become callous, they can become very wicked. But we need to understand that God has given us some degree of morality, and we're all going to be accountable. And by the grace of God, he has given to us something more than his word. He's given to us a Savior. And he's given us to understanding that Our sins have been forgiven and we are declared righteous through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But mark it down, when that great white throne judgment takes place, there will be degrees of punishment in hell. Jesus himself made it very clear that for some it will be much more tolerable than it will be for others. We have no idea exactly what all goes into that, but we know that God is righteous and God is just. God is too wise to make any mistakes, and he's too just to do wrong. And everything that God does, he does righteously. And you can mark it down, his judgment in that day will be done righteously. And so it's not us, it's not up to us to judge. It's up to us to obey what God has put within our hearts. You see, I got enough to take care of my own backyard without being concerned about what's in your backyard. I got to work on Jim Nolan. Thank the Lord he gave me a wife to help do that. (laughs) But we've got to all come to that place to where we have to be concerned about our own backyard and stop judging others for what's going on in their life. When we do that, then that says something that's not good about us. 
when we look at others and we see their sin and we see their their the place that Satan has brought them in the depravity of sin, if anything, rather than being critical of them and judgmental of them, it ought to break our hearts and bring us to our knees in prayer for those lost souls. With every head bowed.